The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining me for this broadcast. I very much like receiving letters from you who listen day by day and who walk this journey. I received a letter this week from a dear sister 
I want to read it for you. It's addressed, Pastor Ray Greenley. Greetings from the desert. It's not easy to walk in the desert. I do recognize that the only way to win the battle is with the help of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus. The Lord is faithful and will keep me from evil. He will help me. He will help me to access the Jordan River and to cross over into the promised land. I love this letter. It's from a fellow pilgrim. From another precious follower of Jesus Christ, who's laid it all on the line. This is what it's about. I pray that there are hundreds of you who can say amen to this letter. I pray that there are thousands. I don't know who listens to this broadcast, whether few or many. But my heart is that you earnestly walk through the desert of this world, not seduced by the wickedness of our age, that you make successfully the journey to the promised land, finally going through the Jordan River into that celestial city. My heart is so heavy today, I I couldn't sleep last night. I, I went to bed and tossed and turned for a long time. Finally dozed off, and then at three o'clock was wide awake and could not sleep anymore. Was up very early, reading the scripture, crying out to God. What has so upset my heart? Seeing men and women who call themselves Christians, who are filled with bitterness and anger, self-righteousness, judgments, destroying marriages, destroying families, breaks my heart. The cry of my heart is, Jesus, may I be like you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what I want. I want Jesus in you. I want Jesus in me. I praise God he's in me. I praise God he moves in my heart. That all bitterness has been removed. But I'm not being self-righteous. I'm saying, oh, my brother, my sister, we've got to let go of all the bitterness and anger We've got to let go of all the self-righteousness. We've got to let go of all the defenses. We've got to get to Jesus. The age in which we live has become so utterly despicable, evil. Let me read a scripture for you. The scripture is found in 2 Timothy, the third chapter. 
But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. That means dangerous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people turn away. From such people turn away. The problem is the church is full of it. One precious woman spoke with me about being raised in a holiness church. And as a young woman, underage, being molested by the deacon. And now she's hurting and confused, doesn't even know if she believes in Jesus, trying to find her way, trying to find healing, injured by a holiness church deacon. A pedophile. I was looking at the news. I'm going to read this to you. Pedophiles have finally found their way in, and it's through the children. And that's why public schools are now starting to teach LGBTQP history, encouraging five-year-old students to explore their gender identity and all the rest of the garbage. Because if you can justify a 10-year-old transgender or a 12-year-old drag queen, you can absolutely justify men in dresses having sex with children. CBS in Denver reported this, and I share that from Denver because I was born in Denver. I'm from Colorado, and I hate what's happening in Denver, and I hate what's happening in Colorado. It's becoming like the wickedness of California. The show on Sunday was organized by Mile High Comics, and the spotlight quickly turned away from the stage and focused on the controversy. Children making their way into the venue were escorted by adults, many of them wearing earphones to drown out the protests. And one of the people, one of the parents, participating in this pedophile drag queen experience, said this, These kids are so brave to be able to share their gifts and their talents, said Elizabeth Mitchell. I am a Christian, and because I'm a mother of a gay child, and because my granddaughter is performing in this today, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of conflict for me. What? Where do we, in love, in kindness, in mercy, say to a person, Say to a child, this is wrong. 
This is sin. Pedophilia is going to be legalized in America. It's just a matter of time and probably a short time. Every other perversion has been talked about. And as long as I'm talking about this, let me go down there a minute, please. This is a family-friendly show, but some need to hear this. As a pastor, I have had an increasing number of women ask me the question, in my marriage, is sodomy acceptable? And my answer is absolutely not. Sodom and Gomorrah, the judgment of God fell. A husband should not be sodomizing his wife. It is sin before God. It is wickedness. It is a part of the modern age that we're a part of. It is a part of Vanity Fair. Do I know homosexual men and lesbian women? Yes. I have had to sit through many counseling sessions where a husband has said to his wife, Honey, I'm gay. And I'm going to leave for my lover. And I've had to be there to help pick up the pieces of that family after it was destroyed by the wickedness of the husband. Oh, I'm born this way. No, you're not born that way. That's a, that's a lie from the pit of hell. My heart is just so broken today by, by the wickedness, by the fighting and, and struggling, the destruction brought by sin to the hearts of men and women. Jesus died to destroy sin because he knew we needed to be saved from it. Sin leads into increasing darkness. The whole LGB movement. It is of utter satanic origin. It is Vanity Fair. I'm sharing with you from Pilgrim's Progress. And in his day, many of these kinds of things were not dealt with because it was rare. There was not the internet and the cell phone and the television and every other kind of media platform for men and women to give expression and to find access to the wickedness of their hearts. I mean, when I was a boy, I lived out in the country on a farm. I didn't have access to Playboy and all the other wicked printed materials that were becoming popular when I was just a boy. I'm heartbroken today. Not just at the sexual perversion, but the bitterness and the anger and the rage between husbands and wives. 
a refusal to sacrifice yourself for the good of your partner, to lay your life down for your partner. It's a heartbreak when you discover that your partner does not love you and is just using you. That doesn't justify or excuse yelling and screaming and hitting. Nothing ever justifies that. No sin justifies yelling, screaming, and hitting. But sin has to be called by its right name. And then in love and compassion, ask that person to please change the course of their direction. And in most cases, they won't do that. In most cases, they'll justify their behavior. They'll excuse it. They'll twist it. They'll make something ugly out of righteousness. I know. I am, however, responsible for my own behavior. And I'm responsible to share in a loving way with those who are choosing to walk in darkness and sin and warn them of the destruction that they are about to enter into. The heartbreak. As Christian and faithful are walking in the story of Pilgrim's Progress, this famous allegory written by John Bunyan in the 1600s as he was in jail. He was in prison for 12 years total. Why? Because Vanity Fair hated his sermons and demanded that he stop preaching. And he would not agree to stop preaching. In fact, people would gather outside of a high window to his cell. And on Sunday morning, he would shout his sermon to the gathered believers below. Bunyan was not going to bend to the will of the leaders of Vanity Fair. This was in England. Did you know that today in England there are pastors who are imprisoned suffering in prison because they proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ and Vanity Fair England hated it and said, you're deserving of jail. I think of another hero, a young man in jail today. What's his crime? Journalism reporting on the wickedness of the people, reporting on the wickedness of the government. What'd they do with him? They put him in jail. They shut him up. He's now asking America to give him asylum. He's not committed a crime. He's been righteous. And he simply has proclaimed the truth. 
That's why one merchant observing the strange conduct of the pilgrims mockingly said to them, What will you buy? And they looked steadily and sternly at him and answered, We buy the truth. Well, this caused a great offense. Christian and faithful tell them after they are taken into custody that they are pilgrims and strangers in the world and that they are on their way to their own country, which is the heavenly Jerusalem. I'm going to ask you, are you a happy, contented member of Vanity Fair where everything is vanity and foolishness? entertainment, wickedness? Or are you on your way to the heavenly Jerusalem? Do you count yourself as a pilgrim, as a stranger in this world? They continued and said the only thing that they had done to cause an offense was to tell those who were trying to sell them their wares that they would only buy the truth. They were called vagabonds, troublemakers, creators of confusion. They took these two men in the narrative of the Pilgrim's Progress and beat them unmercifully. They smeared them with dirt. They put them in a cage, bloodied, bludgeoned, and they were an object of ridicule and malice, revenge, for as passerbys went by, they, they threw things at them and they spit upon them. But these two pilgrims remained calm and patient. When the people would come and yell and scream every sort of vile abuse at them, they responded with kind words. When men came and cursed them, they blessed them, returning good words for evil words, kindness for injury. Some men who were more thoughtful and less prejudiced than the rest began to criticize and rebuke the more brutish men of the crowd for their continual abuse of these two pilgrims. This caused a heated reaction to the pilgrims and the would-be defenders who were called traitors and confederates. Some in the mob said that they deserved to be treated even as the two pilgrims. The two pilgrims were quiet and sober. They intended no one any harm. They only wanted the truth. Angry words passed. The crowd fought over them. And finally, the two pilgrims are charged with inciting a riot. So they were once more beat unmercifully, shackled in irons, led in chains up and down through the fair with everyone casting aspersions and curses and blows. 
This is the 1600s we're talking about. This is Bunyan's description. This was what was going on in their culture. The same thing is going on in our culture today. In many parts of the world, to be a Christian is to be executed, cast out, cursed. And increasingly in America, the tide is turning against Christians. If you listen to Pelosi or Schumer or other political leaders, they're very anti-Christians. They hate them. What I'm sharing with you today is, is going to happen in America where Christians are put on trial and executed. There will be great persecution in America. Well, throughout this whole spectacle, Christian and faithful behaved wisely and received the shame that was cast upon them with meekness and patience. While enduring this persecution, Christian and faithful remembered what their friend evangelist had told them about the suffering that they would have to go through. This strengthened their resolve to bear all the abuse and to await patiently the outcome of the situation. I think of a of a young crash, a Catholic woman wearing a habit recently went into a a Planned Parenthood clinic and gave each of the women a rose as they were waiting for their turn to have an abortion. Gave them a rose and a little packet filled with things necessary to care for a baby and said, you don't have to murder your baby. We have people who will help you, please. And as she's pleading with these women to not abort their babies, not to murder them, the police arrive and haul her off and threw her in jail. Not only did they throw her in jail, they stripped all of her clothes off gave her an old ragged blanket and then threw her in the prison with all the men in a holding cell. And one of the officers said to her, I hope you get raped. This just happened in the last 30 days in America. I hope you... I hope you understand, this is not the America I grew up in. Every kind of violence and wickedness is rearing its head. And we have to be very clear in our hearts that we are pilgrims on a pilgrim journey to a faraway city, that this is not our home. or we will quickly become disillusioned and hopeless and give way in our Christian faith. The problem we face is that so many of you who listen to this broadcast 
are still participants in the wickedness of this age. You are compromised with the devil, smoking, drinking, chewing, fornicating, watching porno, taking drugs, hearts filled with bitterness and anger, unforgiveness, and yet you go to church and act like a saint, but you go home and act like a devil, screaming and yelling at the kids, maybe even hitting your wife or your husband. This has to change. We can't continue this way. Jesus is coming. We've got to prepare for his coming. I can't do church as normal. I can't close my eyes and my ears to the crying out of pain and anguish among those who are hurt. The victims of the wickedness of our age stir my heart. I don't know how to deal with it except go in the prayer closet. And that's what I did this morning at 3 a.m. I began to just cry out before the Lord for those in such anguish and pain. Asking for the Lord to deliver them. There is such a work of repentance that must take place in your heart if you're participating in any of these things of darkness, repent. The path to Jesus is the path to repentance. Confession, getting right with Jesus, laying your life down, giving up your rights, giving up and standing for Jesus. Again, in Pilgrim's Progress, at the appointed time, they were led to their trial, which was planned with only one purpose in mind, that they should both be condemned and executed. First, they were brought before their enemies and formally charged. The judge's name was Lord Hategood. Their indictments were basically the same in substance that they were enemies, that they were disturbers, that they made commotion and division in the town, that they had contempt for the law of the prince of the air. Faithful was the first to be put on trial after these accusations were made and charges were leveled. He began his defense by saying that he had only set himself against the enemy of him who is higher than the highest. And he said, as for the disturbance, I made none. I'm a man of peace. The individuals who were won over to our side were won by seeing the truth and our innocence, and they are better off for it. And as to the king you talk of, since he is Beelzebub, the enemy of our Lord, I defy him and all of his angels. Then proclamation was made that those who wished to bring accusations against the prisoners should be brought forth to present their evidence on behalf of their king. 
there were three witnesses that came forward, envy, superstition, and flattery. They were asked if they knew the prisoners and what they had to say against them on behalf of the Lord King Belzebub. Envy stood up and said, My Lord, I've known this man a long time and will attest upon my oath before this honorable bench. Give him the oath. So they swore him in, and Envy continued, My Lord, this man, notwithstanding his innocent name, is one of the vilest men in our country. He does not regard prince or people, law or custom, but does all that he can to install in others his disloyal notions, which he generally calls principles of faith and holiness. In particular, I heard him with my own ears affirm that Christianity and the customs of our town vanity were diametrically opposed and cannot be reconciled. And by saying that, my Lord, he condemned all the laudable things we do and us in the same breath. Then they called superstition and asked him to look upon the prisoner. He took the oath, and he said, My Lord, I have no real acquaintance with this man, nor do I desire to have any further knowledge of him. However, after having a conversation with him the other day, I can report that he is very dangerous. I heard him say that our religion was useless and unable to save or show a man any way to please God. We all know that this is the same as saying that we worship in vain, have no forgiveness of our sins, and face damnation. This is what I have to say to the court. Well, he's absolutely right. The gospel of Jesus Christ has no connection to the wickedness that is beginning now to flow in great power in our nation. There is no forgiveness of sin without repentance, without confession, without a change of heart. There is no forgiveness of sin. And the worship in many churches is empty and has no meaning and is utterly rejected by our Lord because it is not holy, it is not righteous, it's flesh-centered, it's comforting the wicked, telling them that they can continue walking in their sin and they are still saved. Such garbage. You cannot walk in your sin and be saved. You must turn from it. You must repent of it. You must confess before God the wickedness of your heart and allow him to transform you by faith, into a new person to make you righteous in reality, not in some shell game. Flattery is sworn in next. And he says, My Lord and all the rest of you gentlemen, I've known of this fellow for a long time. I have heard him say things that should not be said. He has reviled and scolded in the harshest terms our noble prince Belzebub, and has spoken contemptuously of the prince's honorable friends 
whose names are the Lord All Man, and the Lord Carnal Delight, and the Lord Luxurious, and the Lord Desire of Vainglory, Lord Lechery, and Sir Greed, along with all the rest of our nobility. He has also said that if all the men were of his mind, there is not one of these noblemen who would not be driven out of our town. Besides, he has not been afraid to rail against you, my lord, who is the appointed judge, calling you an ungodly villain and many other such terrible terms. He has sullied the gentry of our town. When Flattery had finished telling his tale, the judge directed his speech to the prisoner at the bar, saying, You renegade, you heretic, you traitor! Have you heard what these honest gentlemen have witnessed against you? May I speak a few words in my own defense? What? What? You deserve to live no longer, but to be slain immediately on this very spot. But so that everyone may see that our gentleness toward you, let us hear what you have to say. And Faithful begins. In answer to what Mr. Envy has said, I never said anything but the following. Whatever rules or laws or customs or peoples are contrary to the word of God, these things are dramatically and diametrically opposed to the Christian faith. If I have said something wrong, then convince me of my error. I am ready here before you all to make my recantation. As to the second point with Mr. Superstition, I said only that in the worship of God there is required a divine faith that only attends a divine revelation of the will of God. We're going to talk in the coming days about the will of God. Only those who obey the will of God will enter into the kingdom of God. You must know the will of God if you're going to obey it. How do we know the will of God? We're going to answer that question. It's not a complicated or hard question. Many have made it very complicated. I don't know the will of God. Well, there's a simple process we're going to outline for you. As a heads up, read carefully Romans 12. The first verses. Mr. Flattery is charged, I said without ranting, that the prince of this town, his attendants, the brutish mob, and all the rest named by Mr. Flattery are more ready for hell than this town and country, and so may the Lord have mercy upon me. Then the jury called to the jurymen. The judge called to the jurymen. Gentlemen of the jury, you see this man about whom so great an uproar has been made in this town. You've also heard what these worthy gentlemen have witnessed against him. Also you've heard his reply and confession. It is now your responsibility to hang him or to save his life. But before you decide, I think I need to instruct you in our law. There was an act made in the days of Pharaoh the Great, servant in our prince, 
to our prince that to prevent these of a contrary religion from multiplying and growing too strong, the male children of these troublesome people should be drowned in the river. There was also an act made in the days of Nebuchadnezzar the Great, another of our Lord's great servants, that whoever would not fall down and worship his golden image should be thrown into the fiery furnace. There was also an act made in the days of Darius that anyone who called upon any god except for him should be cast into the lion's den. Now this rebel before you has broken the substance of these laws, not only in thought but also in word and deed. This is intolerable. Consider that the law made by Pharaoh was made to prevent mischief, no crime having yet been committed. But here before you is a crime apparent. As far as the second and third laws I told you of, you can see for yourself that he disputes against our religion and for the treason he has confessed he deserves to die by execution. After hearing, the jury went to a private quarter to deliberate. The jury's names were Mr. Blind Man, Mr. No Good, Mr. Malice, Mr. Love Lust, Mr. Live Loose, Mr. Hothead, Mr. High Mind, Mr. Enmity, Mr. Liar, Mr. Cruelty, Mr. Hate Like, Mr. Implacable. Each one submitted his private verdict against faithful to the other jurors, and after that they unanimously concluded to bring a verdict of guilty against faithful. They went before the judge with their verdict. The first juror to speak was Mr. Blind Man, the foreman who said, I see clearly that this man is a heretic. Then Mr. No Good said, Away with such a felon from the earth. I agree, said Mr. Malice. I hate the look of him. Then Mr. Lovelust said, I could never stand the sight of him. Nor I, said Mr. Liveloose, for he would always be condemning me. Hang him, hang him, said Mr. Hothead. A sorry vermin, said Mr. Highmind. My heart rises against him, said Mr. Enmity. He is a rogue, said Mr. Liar. Hanging is too good for him, said Mr. Cruelty. Let's kill him quickly, and let's get on our way without him. And so they did. Faithful was condemned to die and was taken to a place where he was put to the most cruel death they could invent. First they scourged him, then they beat him, then they lanced him with, with knives in his flesh, and after that they stoned him with stones and pierced him with swords, and last of all they burned him to ashes at the stake. This is how faithful came to his end. And now I saw in my dream that there stood behind this brutal multitude a chariot and a couple of horses waiting for faithful. So as soon as his adversaries had killed him, he was taken into it and immediately carried up through the clouds with the sound of trumpets heading straightway to the celestial city.
I want to ask you today, would the world think you their friend or would they think you worthy of death? Have you stood in opposition to the murder of babies? Have you stood in opposition to pedophilia and all things of lust and darkness? Have you stood against thievery, lying, cheating, stealing? Or have you been a milk toast, just trying to get along with everybody and go along and pretend that everybody is right in their wickedness? Have you sunk into the modern era of entertainment? Or have you been earnestly searching the word of God? Recognizing as my dear friend who wrote this letter, greetings from the desert. It is not easy to walk in the desert. I do recognize that the only way to win the battle is with the help of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus The Lord is faithful and will keep me from evil. He will help me across the Jordan River to the promised land. How do you stand today with Jesus? Have you made your peace with the Lord? Are you a lukewarm Christian just getting along to go along? Or have you stood up for the unborn? Have you stood up for righteousness and holiness? As one young man talking with his pastor said, I'm very concerned about how they're going to treat me in my summer job. He was headed up to Maine where he was going to be working with lumberjacks. He said, they're an ungodly group of men. Would you pray for me? So the pastor prayed for him. At the end of the summer, he came back strong, tanned, pastor said how did it go and the young man answered it was great I loved every minute of it well what happened with your being a Christian well they never found out I was a Christian and so I had no trouble pastor was broken hearted they never found out I was a Christian There are two kinds of Christians that I am deeply troubled by. One, the kind that never admit they're a Christian. And then secondly, the kind that say, yes, I'm a Christian, and then they're lazy in the workplace. Yes, I'm a Christian, but they'll never confess their sin. Yes, I'm a Christian, but nobody can stand them because they lack compassion and mercy and a work ethic, and they slack off and let everybody else do the hard work. Neither one will find their way to the kingdom of God. 
What kind of Christian are you today? Do you admit today that you are an alien and a stranger here and that your home is heaven and that you're on your way and you're going to be very forthright about that? And you're going to walk humbly before men and women. You're going to walk with compassion and love. You're going to walk reaching out your hand to help save every person you can save. Is the primary focus of your heart the kingdom of God? Do you recognize there must be a a single-hearted devotion for the kingdom of God, for holiness, for righteousness, for Jesus? Is that the cry of your heart? Is that who you are? Almighty God, as we come to the end of this broadcast, my heart is so stirred. My heart is so on fire. Jesus, would you come and rescue your people? Will you come and turn our hearts from coldness and lukewarmness and casualness and entertainment and all the wickedness of Vanity Fair? Would you set our hearts aflame, Jesus, for you and for your kingdom? for righteousness and holiness. Come, Lord Jesus, we need you. I need you. We need the fullness of your Holy Spirit. We can't live at this low rate any longer. The crisis is too great. The need is too great all around us. Lord, save your people. And Lord, for those precious ones who recognize they're walking in the desert, would you strengthen them for the journey? Would you hear the cry of their hearts? Would you send forth, O Lord, the grace and the mercy they need to encourage them on the path? Would you give them food and water on the journey? And would you carry each of us safely to the promised land? Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to share your letter of testimony on the air. Keep it simple. Keep it short. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That address again. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, if you'd like to give online, you're welcome to give. We need to hear from you. It's coming up on the halfway point for the month, and it's a huge month. It's almost $4,000. Thank you for each one who's already contributed. Thank you for your sacrifice for the kingdom of Jesus, for the work of the gospel. You can go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there's a donate button. You can give on PayPal. 
where you can send a check or money order or cash and it will go toward the work of the gospel. I'm being told we have two minutes left in this broadcast. I just want to tell you how my heart is overflowing with love and compassion for you. I am crying out to the Lord for you. For everyone who listens to this broadcast, I am asking Jesus to come and meet you, to heal you both body, mind, and spirit, and to fill you with his presence to be filled with the glory of God. Well, this is Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee. I'd love to hear from you. Radio is one of the loneliest things I know and yet one of the most intimate things I know. I sit facing a camera and I don't know that you're even there. So let me know you're there. Write to me, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Of his glory with great joy.